I think we ought to say thanks to all the choir and orchestra for leading us in such a wonderful worship today. They have already led in three services. They've got one more to go. So y'all keep praying for them as well as praying for the preacher who's about to preach to you now. I had shared last week, so excited to get to preach another Easter after retiring from the pastorate after 38 years, just not imagining I'd have another opportunity to preach on Easter. And so thankful to be here with you folks at Marbley today. And on Good Friday, we talked about two responses to the cross. Today, we talk about two responses to the resurrection. So I want to ask you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, we're going to look at verses 1 through 15 and know this. This is not just the words of a writer by the name of Matthew. This is the inspired word of God. And out of honor to God, let's stand now for the reading of God's word. Just as you got settled in there, let's stand. Matthew 28, verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying. Go quickly now and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. They left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them and they came up and took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. And Jesus said to them, don't be afraid, go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee and there they will see me. Now, while they were on their way, some of the guard came into the city and reported the chief priests all that had happened. And when they assembled the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, you are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money. They did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. Father, as we stand before you, the King of kings, the risen Lord, I realize everyone joining us by live video feed, everyone in this room has two responses to your resurrection. It is my prayer, Father, that by the time we leave today, by the power of your Holy Spirit, every person will have decided to respond in faith to your resurrection from the dead. For we pray this prayer, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Two responses to the cross, either acceptance or rejection. 
two responses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, either belief or unbelief. What is your response? Now, you may say, well, everybody here is in church on Easter. Everybody has responded one way. Oh, no. Oh, no. I know there are people here today, you're here under duress, you're trying to keep mama happy or your husband happy or your wife happy or your parents happy. But I hope by the end of this time, all of us will have responded in faith to the resurrection. Now let's look at response number one, the women who came to the tomb. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. Now Understand this about the women at this point. They had no hope that Jesus was alive. They were coming in grief. They were doing, they were really practicing the Jewish practice and custom to come anoint the body of the dead after that person has died to show respect for that person's body. It would be in in a modern term, it would be like you going to the grave of a loved one shortly after they were buried and planting some flowers there or leaving some flowers there. It was a similar kind of practice. And we know that they were very clear that Jesus was dead. Go back to Matthew 27, verse 59. And Joseph of Arimathea took the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. He laid it in his own tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. He rolled a large stone against the entrance of the tomb and went away. And listen to this. And Mary Magdalene was there and the other Mary sitting opposite the grave. So they not only saw Jesus die, they not only saw that he was completely dead because when the soldiers speared him, out came not only blood but water, a sign of death and the loss of all of his blood. But they saw him actually buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. So they know he is dead. And they're coming in a time of mourning. Then as we go to verse 2, Matthew tells us of events that transpired before these women got there. Verse 2, and behold, a severe earthquake had occurred for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Now, God sent an angel of the Lord to roll away the stone sometime before dawn, sometime before these ladies got there. And when that occurred and the angel sat upon that stone outside the empty tomb as Jesus arose and left the tomb and left that place, the soldiers were struck with such fear they were like paralyzed men. For a time, they could hardly move. Now, these are hardened Roman guards. These are not a bunch of sissies. These are men that have killed and seen friends killed. They know that to leave their post, they can be executed for negligence in their duty. These were hardened men. And they were terrified at what occurred there. And evidently they fleed once they were able to move. And it was at that point that Mary and other women came to the grave and they saw that the tomb was empty to their shock. And this angel speaks to them. Verse five, the angel said to the women, don't be afraid for I know you're looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here for he is risen just as he said, 
Come see the place where he was lying. And then go quickly, tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Now, understand this about angels. They are messengers of God. That's what it means to be an angel. And because they are messengers of God, the angel is giving these women the word of God. And he's saying, look, don't be afraid. Now, the natural response of all mankind when a real miracle has taken place is to be afraid because it's so unexplainable, it unsettles us. He knows the women are afraid, trying to process all this. They've come to the grave in great grief, knowing Jesus is dead, and now they are absolutely stunned. The tomb is empty. And with the word of God, he tells them, look, Jesus isn't here. He is risen exactly as he predicted. Time and again, as Jesus was preceding going to Jerusalem in his final days here on earth, he told them that he was going to be killed at the hands of religious leaders, but that he would rise again. Jesus predicted that. And that's what the angel refers to. And then the angel says, look, look at the grave clothes. Now, in that day, they would wrap a dead body in grave clothes, and they were so tightly wrapped that it would be impossible for anybody to free themselves, especially a man who had been through the torture of the crucifixion, the most torturous form of death, had lost all of his blood. It would be impossible to get out of those grave clothes. But as the angel turned to those grave clothes, and you look at the four Gospels to put all this together, it was like he had just evaporated. You could just see where a body would have been in those grave clothes. It just like a gone, just evaporated. And then the angel says, now, you're to go and tell the disciples that he has risen. And along the way, you're going to see the risen Lord yourself. So he really commissions these women to be the very first evangelist. What is an evangelist? An evangelist is one who shares or proclaims good news. What is that good news? The good news is that Christ died for our sins. God loves us so much that he sent his son Christ to pay the penalty that we should pay, the judgment of God for our sin. Christ paid for that through his death on the cross. But not only that, he is risen from the dead to conquer sin and death and to save us from hell and to give us victory in eternal life. You see, these women were called to be the first evangelists, to go and tell the disciples the gospel, that even though Christ had been crucified, he had risen from the dead. So how do they respond to the command of God through the word of God through the angel? Verse 8. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them and they came up and took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren, the disciples, to leave for Galilee and there they will see me. Now, these women obey the word of God. And they begin to make that journey to tell the disciples with great joy as well as fear, understandably, in light of what they have just experienced. And along the way, Jesus appears to them, and they're so overwhelmed, they bow down, they literally grab his feet, they're worshiping him because they know they are the first witness to not only the greatest miracle in all of history, 
but the greatest event in all of history. And they worship the Lord. And Jesus says, now I want you to go and tell the disciples, I'm coming to see them as well. Now, in this first response to the resurrection of the women, we see that the women believe that Jesus has risen from the dead. But you could say, well, obviously. They've seen him. They are a witness to the fact that he is arisen. But they still believe. And some of you are saying, well, obviously, if you saw that Jesus rose from the dead, you would believe. No, that's not the case. Let's see a different response to the resurrection of Jesus Christ in verse 11. Now, while they were on their way, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, those religious leaders gave a large sum of money to the soldiers. And they said, you're to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money. They did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. Now, I want you to think about something, folks. The only people in all of history who actually saw Jesus rise from the dead have a big problem. They've got a big problem because soldiers know, the Roman soldiers know, if their prisoner escapes, they are often executed for negligence of duty. So they got a problem. But not only that, can't you imagine what their peers would say? Imagine their peers. Well, way to go, guys. You let the prisoner go, and the prisoner was dead. Way to go, guys. I mean, they, they really, they're, they're in a pickle. So they go to the religious leaders. They tell them what happened. Now, these are the only guys that saw Jesus rise from the dead. And so the religious leaders say, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you some money today. If you promise that you will tell this story with anybody who asks that while you were asleep, the disciples came and stole the body. Now I want you to think about this whopper of a lie. How in the world would they know the disciples stole the body if they were asleep? I mean, it's such, a, it's such an illogical lie. But what it tells us is from the very first resurrection day, this lie of the devil has begun to be perpetuated and is to this very day. Have you ever noticed time and again in Easter week, the press or the media will come out with the latest story of how Jesus was not divine. He was not really God. He was just a man. He didn't really rise from the dead. Over and over, we see it time and again. It happens over and over again. The lie of the devil that Jesus did not rise from the dead. Now, some of you came into this room or joined this live video today, and as a skeptic, as a cynic, or as one who doesn't believe, you have often said, well, if I could just see him, I would believe. No, you would not. Because the only people in all of history who actually saw Jesus rise from the dead chose not to believe. Why? Because of self-preservation. Why? Because they had a mindset that they did not want to believe. 
So many of you who have put forth an intellectual smokescreen of why you don't believe really don't believe because you don't want to believe because you don't want anybody else in charge of your life. You want to be calling the shots and doing the things that you want to do rather than trusting that Christ really rose from the dead. You say, how can it be? How can, how can people like these religious leaders, I mean, they had no reason not to believe the soldiers. The soldiers were on their side. How could they come to a conclusion? Well, think about it. In 2021, here in the United States of America, the sexual revolutionaries not only espouse the fact that gender is something that's chosen. It's not determined at birth. They not only espouse it in American culture now, but they want to force all of us to believe this, insisting on it. So think about this now. You're a doctor. You're an OBGYN. You're a nurse there in delivery, several nurses. You're the mother. You're the father. This baby is born. Can't you see the doctor, the nurses, the mother and dad looking at that baby? I wonder if this is a boy or a girl. I wonder if this is a boy or a girl. In 10 or 12 years, it will determine. Now, you know, it's such madness that it is almost inconceivable, but think about the fact that the very men who saw Jesus come out of the grave alive chose not to believe. There's nothing new under the sun about rejecting to believe in what God says is true. And so we see a second response to the resurrection. That is not to believe. How about you? What is your response? Let me share with you a few reasons of why I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Number one, the empty tomb is indisputable. Now, I know those of you that are skeptics say, oh, no, <laughs> you can't prove that the tomb was empty. Well, let me ask you this question. If all the religious authorities and the Roman authorities had to do to keep Christianity from getting out of the starting gates was to go to the tomb and show people the dead body of Jesus, don't you think they would have done it? They never did. He wasn't there. All they had to do was to go to the tomb and just show people the dead body of Jesus. But he wasn't there. But some of you are smart enough that you say, well, I'd never argue or urge people to make that outrageous lie that the disciples came while the soldiers were asleep for the soldiers to make that claim. I mean, who would believe that? But some of you are thinking, well, probably the disciples did figure out a way to steal the body. Well, let's think about that for a second. You've got 14 to 16 Roman guards. These are not sissies. They're trained to be tough, hardened men. You've got 10 disciples. They come and somehow overpower the armed guard around the tomb. And then they roll away the stone. Then they take the dead body of Jesus. They unwrap him from his burial wrappings. And then they push that dead body up against a tree and the crowd gathers around and say, look, he rose from the dead. Now, come on, folks. Come on. The people of the first century were just as smart as you. 
they would know that was a joke. But not only that, think about this. Think about those disciples that were all Jewish, and the Jewish people are taught to revere the Sabbath, especially in the first century. And for some reason, these Jewish men changed the day of worship to Sunday. Why? Because it's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Do you realize every time you come to church on Sunday, it is a living testimony that Jesus rose from the dead. That's why you're coming on Sunday. But not only that, think about this. Listen now, are you listening? Think about the fact that on Thursday night when Jesus was arrested, the disciples fleed in terror. They were were scared to death that they were going to be arrested as well. Peter even denied Jesus three times that very night. How do you explain the fact that after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, these same men, these 11 men, now Judas had already committed suicide after betraying Jesus, But these 11 men, 10 of the 11 wind up dying a martyr's death because they refused to recant from what they had been preaching that Christ died for our sins and Christ rose from the dead. And John, the 11th one, John was exiled on the Isle of Patmos to spend the rest of his days there. How do you explain these cowards going to men who are willing to stand by the message that they knew to be was true and even die a martyr's death because death now held no fear. Jesus had conquered death and so would they. You see, you start looking at the evidence and thinking about the disciples' life, you begin to realize the evidence is starting to be overwhelming that Jesus rose. But there's another reason. I really believe that the Bible is a trustworthy book. Now, for those of you who don't believe the resurrection of Jesus, here's what I hope you will have the integrity to do. To be sure you start telling others, this book is full of lies. Because if you have any integrity and don't believe the resurrection of Jesus, you've got to say this book is full of lies. Because this book is based on Jesus himself. Think about this book, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, three of the four gospels were written within 20 to 25 years of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. That would be like somebody writing about the presidential election in 2004 when President Bush was reelected. There are a lot of you around that can say, I was alive. I know what happened. I don't think there'd be many around saying, you know, it didn't happen. Just didn't occur. That's a very short period of time. Many of the great people of history of Julius Caesar and others, it was hundreds of years that we have later after his life that we have the oldest documents of historical insight on his life and other people's lives. And yet in a short period of time, while many were alive to say, yes, this is true or refute and say, no, that's not true. That is when the Gospels were written, and the Gospel of John was within 50 years. As John on the Isle of Patmos had time to reflect on the meaning of Jesus' life and like a historical biography of his life. The Bible is trustworthy and true. 
And if you don't believe the resurrection of Jesus, at least have the integrity to tell others that the Bible is a book of lies. But not only that, I believe Jesus rose from the dead because I believe the word of Jesus. Time and again, Jesus told his disciples, we're going to go up to Jerusalem. The religious leaders are going to turn against me. They're going to kill me, but I'm going to rise on the third day. You see it three times in the Gospel of Matthew. You see it two times in the Gospel of Mark. You see it one time in the Gospel of Luke, over and over. Jesus predicted he would rise from the dead. So understand now, if you're not believing that Jesus actually rose from the dead, if you're going to have real integrity, you've got to start telling people, I think Jesus is a liar. I think Jesus is a fraud. I think Jesus has perpetuated the biggest colossal hoax in all of history. That's the only thing you can do if you have integrity, if you don't believe the resurrection. But I believe Jesus tells the truth. Let me ask you this question. Do you really believe the man who has most influenced all of history, the man on which the calendar evolves? Everything before Jesus is called B.C., everything after Jesus is called A.D. Do you really think that kind of man would be a complete fraud? That takes a lot of faith to believe he'd be a fraud in light of the world's response to him. I believe the resurrection because I believe the word of Jesus is truth. I believe that Jesus is the truth. What about you? But here's another reason I believe that the resurrection is true. For how Jesus has changed my heart and life. You know, when I read the Bible, when I pray to the Lord, I know Jesus is alive. I know he speaks to me in his word. I know that the Holy Spirit through prayer speaks to my heart and it is the living Lord that I am praying to. You know, one of the reasons COVID has been so difficult within the church is that we gain great encouragement in being with other believers in worship and Bible study because we see the living Lord in their countenance, in their eyes, and in their lives. And as we've been so isolated, it's been more difficult. We're thankful for technology. We're thankful for those who can join us today because of modern technology. But in the church, we are called to gather together because we encourage one another, because we see the living Lord in the eyes and in the spirit and in the countenance and in the character of others who believe. And it gives us great strength as well. So, what do you believe? How do you respond? If you're one of those folks that say, well, I would believe if I could just see a miracle, or I would believe if I could have seen him like they claim to have seen him, just realize you are lying to yourself. The soldiers were the only ones who saw him rise, and they chose not to believe. 
You see, the evidence is overwhelming that Christ rose from the dead. And thus, it is not only the most important event in all of history, but it's the most important event that has ever happened for your life and mine. Because Jesus rose from the dead, you and I have the opportunity of conquering death and being in an eternal relationship with the living Lord forever and ever. Because Jesus rose from the dead, he has conquered sin. He has conquered death, and he gives us a way to be forgiven by God and made right with God when we believe. Thomas, that skeptical disciple, who said that he would not believe until he saw the scars in Jesus' hand, and then when he did, he bowed down and said, My Lord and my God, You know what Jesus said to Thomas? Thomas, it's great you believe because you have seen, but even greater are those who believe who haven't had the privilege to see me in the flesh. Is that you? I hope for everyone here that you are choosing to believe that Jesus not only died for your sins, but Jesus rose from the dead. Two responses to the resurrection. What response is yours? Let's pray. Father God, You know right where we're living, and you know those who have responded in faith in believing the gospel that you died for our sins and you rose from the dead. And Lord, we thank you on this day because there's tremendous thanksgiving and joy in celebrating your resurrection. And Father, we also know that there are others who have chosen not to believe. They may be joining us by live video feed. They may be here under duress to please a family member or a friend on Easter Sunday, but perhaps some of them, under the conviction of you, the Holy Spirit, are open-minded enough to realize the evidence really is overwhelming. You really did rise from the dead. And because of that, there is no event in all of history more important than that. Oh, Father, I pray that they'll come to you right now, right now, right where they're seated. They'll say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive my unbelief, my stubborn unbelief, because I've wanted to live and think as I want to live and think. Lord, forgive me of that. I see today that the evidence really is strong that you rose. I choose to believe today, Father. I choose to become a follower of Jesus. I give my life to you right where I am. Lord, we thank you in your amazing, amazing love for us. In your unbelievable grace for us. That you're willing to forgive us of all of our sin when we come to you in repentant faith. We thank you that you give us the gift of salvation and eternal life 
through trusting in Jesus as our Savior and Lord. Father, for any individual that is making that decision today, may you now fill them with your Holy Spirit and give them a desire to grow in their relationship with you. And may they be obedient to you and share with others the decision that they have made. Just like you told the women to go and tell the disciples that Jesus has risen. Thank you, Lord, for we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.